Okay. Apparently, according to the left, it is now anti-Semitic to criticize George Soros or anything that George Soros does with his money related to politics. Now, you might be thinking, oh, okay, this is an interesting standard that the left is setting. If we're all of a sudden not allowed to talk about political donations, then the left, who constantly claims that they care about dark money groups, would be in quite a pickle here. Well, of course, the left is uh, the left is the king and the queen of double standards here. So what I want to talk about today is I want to talk about where exactly this narrative came from, because everyone on the left, from blue check marks on Twitter to cable news pundits, to politicians even, are claiming that if you criticize what George Soros is doing, particularly as it pertains to Soros funding the campaigns of the radical leftist district attorneys, the Soros prosecutors around the nation, that that makes you anti-Jewish, that you are anti-Semitic if you criticize that. So where did this narrative come from? Why exactly is the left deploying this narrative right now? The answer to this is it's, it's beyond. They're going beyond just trying to control what we say about a political issue or trying to insult us to have, that would be called the chilling effect. If they're trying to hurl an insult at us in hopes that it makes us less likely to behave the way that we are behaving the next time. And I want to talk today about why this insult isn't just an insult. It's not just the left trying to stifle free speech. It's actually an attempt by the left to create a new category of moral crime and how that's going to impact our nation if we don't put a stop to it. Also, also, I want to talk about today, Alex Jones, the Alex Jones defamation trial. Let's get into that. And I also want to talk about Brittany Griner. I have a lot to say. I have not yet publicly commented on the Brittany Griner um, Russia, Russian prison for marijuana whole ordeal that's going on. Um, I have a lot to say about it, though. I've just been waiting for all of the details to come to light. Well, they are. So we're going to talk about it today. Let's dig into all of this. All right, let's start with George Soros. But before we get to George Soros, I want to tell you about Genucel. I love Genucel because it works. People say that puffiness and bags under the eyes are the hardest things to get rid of. Well, until now. Introducing Genucel Plant Stem Cell Therapy that specifically targets eye puffiness and bags. Due to new technology, Genucel is an incredibly powerful natural serum. And with its Instant Effects product, that's the title of it, Instant Effects, the name, it's guaranteed to show results in as little as 12 hours or your money back. That's right. Users sell results in only 12 hours with dramatic improvement in two weeks. I love Genucel, and I think that you will too. Genucel contains eight in extra ingredients to significantly reduce the appearance of bags and puffiness. Plus, Genucel uses patented plant stem cell technology to improve longevity and brilliant long-term results. Who doesn't love that? Go to genucel.com slash Liz right now to try risk-free. Say goodbye to puffiness and bags today. Order right now with my promo code L-I-Z and you will get an instant 10% off your order. Genucel promises the best skincare, the best results, or your money back. It's spelled G-E-N-U-C-E-L dot com slash Liz. Genucel dot com slash Liz. Okay, so let's talk about George Soros for a moment. George Soros has been trending all over Twitter. He's been trending even in headlines. Cable news pundits are talking about George Soros. But for an interesting reason, not because George Soros has done something today, or said something this week, or funded something this month. George Soros is trending because the left claims that we, as conservatives, or even non-conservatives who think that he's a crazy radical, because he is, uh, the left is claiming that we can't acknowledge that. We can't define George Soros as a radical leftist because they say that's anti-Semitic. And the reason that they are making this claim started with Senator Marco Rubio on the floor of the Senate. Senator Rubio had offered an amendment to the Inflation Act, which is what I will be calling the Democrats' watered-it-down Build Back Better, the Inflation Act, because it, make no mistake, it will increase inflation, which is exactly what the data shows that it will do. It will not decrease it. Inflation will go up this year and next year until 2024. Thank you, Democrats. Rubio, on the floor of the Senate during the, the overnight voterama, offered an amendment that would address or that intended to address these Soros-funded uh, radical prosecutors that don't actually want to prosecute crime, that actually decline to prosecute entire categories of even violent crime. 
the Democrats obviously did not like Rubio's amendment, it got voted down. And this is what Rubio, this is how Rubio responded. I don't think I need to tell anybody here. Our work is at its best when it's focused on what people care about. Let me tell you what people care about. They don't, they don't care as much about buying solar panels and electric cars as they do not having to live in a community where violent crime is rampant and you've got some crazy prosecutor that refuses to put people in jail, that refuses to prosecute entire categories of crime. People are worried about that and rightfully so and it's happening. We have these beautiful cities that were once world-class cities that have become unlivable all over this country because we had these lunatic prosecutors that have decided they're not gonna, the entire categories of crime they will not prosecute. That's the kind of stuff we should be working on here tonight, all night long. You're gonna spend all night working on something, work on that. Don't waste time on stuff that doesn't matter to real people working every single day who are not gonna be driving an electric car next year or the year after that, but they might get mugged, but they might be a victim of a violent crime. And so what this does is it sends to the Judiciary Committee and asks them, in three days, come back with some ideas about how you can spend just a little bit of these billions of dollars that we're throwing away on this garbage, how we can spend a little bit of that money to put criminals in jail so Americans no longer have to live in fear in their communities. Okay, so first of all, the reason that the left hated that is because it was beautifully said. It was very eloquent, it was very accurate, and it was very reflective of how the American people actually on both sides of the aisle feel about the violent crime that's happening in cities all across the country. People know that it's the Democrats' fault. They know that it's not something that's just arbitrarily happening. It's happening because of what the Democrats have done to cities. And Rubio did a really important thing. He forced the Democrats to go on record on this issue. He forced the Democrats to say, we actually don't want to improve the safety of cities. And this is a really important political tactic that I think Republicans should take every advantage of when they are in the majority in the House and the Senate and the presidency. They should get Democrats on the record, force votes on every single issue so that voters can see exactly what Democrats are doing. What happens so often right now is Schumer and Pelosi refuse to bring things to the floor in order to help representatives and senators avoid going on record so that there can be plausible deniability. Oh, I didn't know that that was a thing. Oh, I never had the opportunity to do this. Or, oh, let's just brush it under the rug and focus on something else. No. What Rubio did was really important because it forced the Democrats on record. They do not want to stop the violent crime in our cities because they had the opportunity to do so with this amendment and they voted no. So that, tick that ticked off Democrats. So their response then the Democrats' was, response was very coordinated. They said, well, we don't want the American people to focus on the violent crime. We don't want the American people to focus on how Democrats have either contributed, that's the gentlest way of putting it, or created this violent crime crisis. So what we're going to focus on is calling Republicans racist, calling Republicans bigoted, calling Republicans hateful. We're going to demean and belittle and insult Republicans and hope that that makes Republicans like us more. Hope that that stops the division in our country. So a woman by the name of Kathleen Smith is a perfect example. Her tweet went viral. I forget who she is. Let me look up. She's some radical leftist that hosts a podcast, but she's a perfect example of the blue check marks. Oh yeah, she has she, her pronouns in her, in her bio on Twitter. She hosts a Women in AB Poly podcast. Okay, whatever. What she does is inconsequential to the fact that her tweet says, this is what her tweet says. When Rubio says Soros-backed prosecutors, what he's really saying is Jews. Know that. It's weakly coded anti-Semitism. Okay, so after Rubio made this speech on the Senate floor, he posted a tweet of this speech. It's about a, a minute and 14 seconds. And this is the caption that he used on his tweet. He said, Quote, the Democrats just blocked my effort to try and force Soros-backed prosecutors to put dangerous criminals in jail. So his headline <laughs> was descriptive of what it was that he was talking about on the Senate floor. It wasn't, even, it wasn't even a tweet with opinion or a bombastic tweet. It was literally just describing what he was talking about. The Democrats just blocked my effort to try to force Soros-backed prosecutors to put dangerous criminals in jail. So as I said, the Democrats are desperate to distract from the real problem here. So they focus on this word or this phrase, Soros-backed prosecutors. Kathleen Smith, when Soros-backed prosecutors, when Rubio says this, what he's really saying is Jews. I read this and I thought, first of all, no. What Rubio said has absolutely nothing to do with the Jewish religion, with Jews as a race, with Jewish heritage, with Jewish history, with rights for Jews, absolutely nothing. In fact, most of the prosecutors that George Soros bankrolls are not Jewish. Not that it would matter 
what religion or heritage or race or ethnicity they are, what matters is their actions, whether or not they are enforcing the law, the laws that are already on the books. But even so, if you want to play by this weird racial rules of the left, the prosecutors that we're talking about aren't even Jewish. This has absolutely nothing to do with George Soros being being Jewish and, and pretending that it is a phrase, Soros-backed prosecutors, that that has some in, in weakly coded anti-Semitism, like, no, guys, you can do better than this. You can make a better effort to, to distract from what George Soros is doing. Fred Gutenberg also said, Marco Rubio, what is a Soros-backed prosecutor? Do you mean Jewish? Asking for the many Floridians who are Jewish and who will be voting soon. With anti-Semitism running rampant in the state, you serve as senator of or rampant in the state, you serve as senator of, one would think you avoid this kind of talk unless dot, 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 dot. Oh, what are you insinuating, Fred Gutenberg? Are you trying to insinuate that Marco Rubio is anti-Semitic? Marco Rubio, who's been one of the strongest allies of the Jewish community and the Jewish state of Israel? I don't understand why a tweet like this would go viral. How could it possibly, how could criticism of George Soros be the same thing as anti-Semitism? Are you judging someone based on their actions? Or are you saying that criticism of certain, when I say classes of people, I'm talking about political classes, as in the left says that women are a political class and minorities are a political class and LGBTQ people are a political class and Jewish people are a political class and evangelicals are a political class. So when I say, when I say political class, I'm saying, are you judging people based on their behavior and their actions? And in this case, what George Soros funds, the political causes he funds with his money, or are you saying that you can't criticize certain political classes of people because they belong to that political class? That, my friends, is one of the reasons why this ridiculous narrative is something that the left is running with, because that's what they want. The left wants certain political classes of people who, of course, the left has defined as protected classes to be immune from criticism. They want certain types of people based on characteristics the left has designated as special to be able to do whatever they want and say whatever they want without anybody else even being allowed to criticize them. And if you do criticize them, it's not a matter of free speech or difference of opinion or political discourse, it's hate and bigotry and anti-Semitism. Then we have Randy Weingarten, teacher's union boss, who says, this is how anti-Semitism takes root and spreads. What is a Soros, quote unquote Soros, as if Soros is some made up or misused word here. What, Randy, what? She's supposed to be in charge of a teacher's union. Don't you know how to actually properly punctuate? What is a Soros-backed prosecutor? Soros is a Hungarian Jew who survived the Holocaust. Orban, the authoritarian leader of Hungary, demonizes Soros all the time in Orban's culture war to suppress freedom and democracy. What? Well, let's actually answer her question here. What is a Soros-backed prosecutor? A Soros-backed prosecutor is one of the dozen very radically left prosecutors, district attorneys around the nation who Soros has donated to their campaigns in so great a number, such a large amount of money that he is the largest political donor to their campaign. The reason they have so much money for their campaign is because George Soros gave them that amount of money. In local races, the amount of money that you raise for your election campaign oftentimes determines whether or not you win that race or whether you lose that race. So when Soros backs a prosecutor, it means that he's given so much money. We're talking a million dollars of money to a local district attorney race, which is previous to Soros unheard of. That's a Soros-backed prosecutor, someone whom Soros has thrown not only his political support, but his political support in the form of a lot of money. Soros-backed prosecutor is a perfect description of exactly what these district attorneys are. Is this anti-Semitic to notice this? No. <laughs> How could that possibly be anti-Semitic? Anti-Semitic, anti-Semitism is hate against Jews. How is noticing what George Soros has done by funding the campaign of very radically left prosecutors who don't want to prosecute violent crime in our nation, putting American citizens at risk, how is that the same as hatred of Jews? It is not, it's not. 
It's not even kind of close to hatred of Jews. In fact, George Soros himself wrote that he backs these prosecutors. Now, I like ExpressVPN because it's very important to me to keep my information safe when I'm online. For example, when I, I spend a lot of hours online researching this show, and I don't want government or private corporations, for that matter, creeping on me, creeping on my search history, creeping on the websites I visit. Internet service providers actually can do that. They know every single website that you or your family visits. Internet service providers can then sell this information to ad companies, to tech giants, who then use your own data to target you. It's very creepy. A VPN service can protect you from this violation of privacy. In fact, let me give you an analogy. Using the internet without ExpressVPN is a lot like going to the bathroom and not closing the door. You really want to keep your business private. A VPN, how it works is it reroutes your internet activity so internet service providers cannot track your web browsing. It also anonymizes your identity so that you're completely undercover. And it's so easy to use. ExpressVPN, you just download the app on your phone, your computer, tap one button, and you are protected. Also, ExpressVPN, is engin they've engineered all their servers to run only in RAM, which means that all user data gets wiped every reboot, making it impossible for their VPN servers to keep logs of their users. They couldn't store your information even if they wanted to. So secure your online activity today by visiting expressvpn.com slash Liz. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash Liz. If you use my URL, you can get an extra three months free, expressvpn.com slash Liz. So George Soros himself actually admitted that he's backing these prosecutors. Not that he needed to admit this. We can see where the campaign donations came from, but these are his words. He wrote a Wall Street Journal editorial called Why I Support Reform Prosecutors. Of course, he doesn't want to call them radically left district attorneys. This is what he said. This is why I have supported the election and more recently the re-election of prosecutors who support reform. I've done it transparently and I have no intention of stopping. The funds I provide enable sensible reform-minded candidates to receive a hearing from the public. Judging by the results, the public likes what it's hearing. Blah, blah, blah. Obviously, the public does not like what it's hearing. It just comes down to money. But it's funny that he says, I have given money to the ele for the election and re-election of these candidates because I agree with their political philosophy, how they will, well, how they're not prosecuting violent crimes. It's from the guy's own mouth. So he says it, we recognize it. The left tells us, that we're hateful for recognizing that, that that means that we hate Jews. I don't think so. I don't think so. So obviously, this is a distraction, right? Obviously, the left doesn't want us to focus on what's happening in cities, the crime wave that's happening across our country, how the Democrats have created this problem, how they refuse to fix it even when they have the opportunity. And so it's deeper than that, though. It's a little bit deeper than that. They don't want us to talk about who George Soros is because his name has become a little bit oversaturated in the past 15 years. Almost every conservative has heard of George Soros and his open society's philosophy and what he does with his money, giving billions of dollars to radically leftist causes. And so the name has almost, we've almost become desensitized to his name, but we shouldn't because if you look at what George Soros is doing across the nation, he is one of the most dangerous individuals our nation has ever faced from within. He is one of the biggest threats to our constitutional republic. He is actively destabilizing our cultural institutions and even some governmental institutions with the express goal of abolishing our economy, our free market society, the way that it is and implementing who knows what. Redistribution of wealth. These are, these are all his words. So George Soros embraces... Um, the, the term open society as defined by a philosopher by the name of Karl Popper. This is what Soros argues. Let's use his own words here. He says, the spread of market values into all areas of life is endangering our open and democratic society. He said, the main enemy of an open society is capitalism. These are George Soros's words. He said, laissez-faire capitalism has effectively banished income or wealth redistribution. And then he argues for the government to forcibly spread the wealth around. So this man with billions of dollars who funds radical leftist causes has admitted that he does so because they serve his political agenda. He has defined his own political agenda as wanting to abolish capitalism. If you abolish capitalism, what are you left with? You're not left with a blank slate. You're not left with the communist idea of collective ownership. You're left with either socialism 
or a few elitists, maybe an oligarchy, who run the country and choose winners and losers, distribute money based on who they think deserves the money and who they think doesn't deserve the money, perhaps more importantly. George Soros has supported policies like this here in the United States, in Los Angeles, for example, he supported reparations for black people. This is a redistribution of wealth type scheme. George Soros supported this. He also, George Soros admitted that he wants to use crisis, crises in our nation in order to transition our society into the society that he envisions. This is what he said. He wanted to use COVID as a way to dismantle capitalism. His words, and I quote, the scale of this pandemic has laid bare the fault lines and injustices of our world. We missed the opportunity to create a more just economy after the financial crisis of 2008 and provide a social safety net for the workers who are the heart of our societies. Today, we must change direction and ask ourselves what kind of world will emerge from this catastrophe. He's making this speech while he's, while he, or this press release while he's donating money for, for quote unquote COVID causes. What kind of world will emerge from this catastrophe and what can we do to make it a better one? How does he define a better world? Open borders? The sex trafficking? The rape of women? The cartel violence that we see on our southern border? That is what George Soros wants. The non-prosecution of violent crime that we saw in San Francisco, which led to the recall of the Soros-backed prosecutor, Chesa Boudin, who, by the way, is the son of convicted domestic terrorists, not prosecuting violent crime the way that the Manhattan district attorney is not prosecuting violent crime or the district attorney backed by Soros in Los Angeles is not prosecuting violent crime. George Soros, his goal when he talks about quote unquote reform minded prosecutors, he wants to reduce the population in our prison by 50%. Half of the people who are serving jail time right now because they were convicted of some offense so serious against other people and against society that a jury of their peers determined that they should serve time in prison for this, George Soros wants them let free. And he wants others like them never put in prison in the first place. His Open Society Foundation, he has given $18 billion to, and the Open Society Foundation is sort of ironic because the left, especially leftists like AOC, constantly condemn Republican dark money, but the Open Society Foundation is the literal definition of a dark money group. There's no transparency on donors, none. It's it's a dark money group, and yet the left is tight-lipped about this. The left wouldn't dream of criticizing George Soros, maybe maybe because they think it's anti-Semitic. I don't know. Regardless, he gives a billion dollars a year to left-wing organizations like the ACLU, Planned Parenthood, the Robin Hood Foundation, the Tides Foundation. These are very, very far leftist groups. The Brennan Center for Justice, the Alliance for Citizenship. The goal of these individual organizations are to give citizenship to all illegal immigrants who are in our country and simultaneously having an open border so as many as they want can continue to cross our borders and subsequently gain citizenship. He wants to increase the number of people on welfare in our nation. He wants to raise taxes. Why? Because he thinks that that's the best way for the government to spread the wealth around, to take from the rich and give to the poor. In 2016, George Soros gave $33 million to Black Lives Matter, the Black Lives Matter movement, different organizations associated with BLM. $33 million. In 2015 to 2018, he donated money to Black Lives Matter, to Color of Change, to Unidos US, that's formerly, by the way, the National Council of La Raza. We talked a little bit about that group when USA Today did those profiles of um, the, the, the top 20 women of, of 2022. And they highlighted a woman who was associated with this crazy radical group. He gave money to the NAACP. But the the funniest, best thing that George Soros has done with his money, especially when I say funniest, it's funny and ironic in the face of the left telling us that we're anti-Semitic because we dare to criticize the prosecutors that George Soros himself has admitted that he backs with his own money. The funniest thing that George Soros has done has he sponsored in October of 2017, a conference called the Brooklyn Conference. And we're gonna talk about that in just a second. But first, I wanna talk to you about Bambi. I like Bambi because I understand how difficult HR can be for small business owners. So let me ask you this, small business owners, have you ever had an issue with employee attendance at work? Have you ever had an employee altercation in the workplace? 
Have you ever been confused on how to handle a situation with an employee? Have you ever stressed about navigating through HR compliance? Or have you ever had sexual harassment or any kind of harassment in your workplace? The bad news is, is that one complaint against your company can turn your whole world upside down. The good news is Bambi is here to help small business owners implement good HR practices. Bambi is an HR platform built for businesses just like yours so that you can automate the most important HR practices and get your own dedicated HR manager. First, Bambi's HR autopilot automates your core policies. I'm talking workplace training and employee feedback. Then your dedicated HR manager will help you navigate the more complex parts of HR and guide you to compliance. They're available by phone, by email, or real-time chat. As you know, an in-house HR manager can cost up to $80,000 a year. But with Bambi, your dedicated HR manager starts at just $99 a month. No hidden fees. You can cancel anytime. You run your business. Let Bambi run your HR. Go to Bambi.com slash Liz right now for your free HR audit. It's spelled B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash Liz. Bambi.com slash Liz. Okay, in October of 2017, George Soros sponsored an event called the Brooklyn Conference. Pretty innocuous name, pretty innocuous time, not around an election. What was this event? Now, this event ostensibly focused on the intersection between art and social justice, which might sound really boring, <laughs> kind of sounds boring to me. However, the left has always historically used uh, media, entertainment, Hollywood, the arts to, to enact social change. So, okay, but who exactly did they have speak at this event? Who were the highlights? Who were the headliners? Great question. Keep in mind, you're contrasting the Brooklyn Conference right now with the fact that the left is telling you that you are anti-Semitic if you dare to criticize George Soros funding prosecutors who are so radically left that they won't actually even prosecute violent crimes against people in your own cities, your own neighborhoods, your own towns. You're anti-Semitic if you criticize George Soros, but George Soros funded the Brooklyn Conference, which highlighted as a speaker, headlining speaker, Linda Sarsour. That's right. Linda Sarsour, the former head of the Women's March. Linda Sarsour, who is a known anti-Semite, actually probably one of the most prominent anti-Semites in modern American politics, in current American politics. And it wasn't just Linda Sarsour. Alicia Garza. Alicia Garza, you might recognize that name because Alicia Garza is one of the founding members of the Black Lives Matter movement. Alicia Garza admits that she is a trained Marxist. A trained Marxist. These two women are some of the loudest anti-Jewish, anti-Israel, anti-Semitic activists that the left has embraced. Remember how long the left allowed Linda Sarsour to lead the Women's March? A really, really long time. The only reason they separated themselves from Linda Sarsour is when it became politically difficult for them. They weren't turned off by her views. They didn't really want to disassociate themselves with her. They just couldn't waste any more political capital because Republicans had them dead to rights. Linda Sarsour and Alicia Garza are rabid anti-Semites, rabid anti-Jewish. And George Soros' money, this was a Soros-backed conference, if you will. A Soros-backed conference where he gave his money directly to people who don't like Jewish people. Okay. So that changes just a little bit of this narrative. Funny how the left doesn't mention this when they claim that we can't criticize George Soros. But here's the thing. The left telling us that we can't criticize Soros or else we are anti-Semitic. They're not even trying to stop us from levying that criticism. It's not just about it's not even about stifling us from using that phrase Soros-backed or identifying that association between Soros and the money that he gave to the campaigns of these prosecutors. It's not about your speech at all. This is where the left is actually trying to create a new category of moral crime in our nation. They're actually, it's actually about making it a moral crime for you to hear it, not for me to say it. What the left wants is for anybody who hears George Soros is funding prosecutors in cities who won't prosecute violent crime, and that is why you and your family are in greater danger. They want you to hear that, and instead of listening and processing 
and hearing, they want your mind to immediately reject it on the basis that before you've even had a chance to think about it, you understand that that entire sentence is hateful and bigoted and evil and racist and wrong. And when you think about it like this, this is why it's so absurd on its face to see these tweets go viral, to see the left claiming that criticism of Soros is anti-Semitic when it's so obviously clearly not. They know it's not. And they know they're not going to stop us from saying it. But they want to make it so that you aren't allowed to hear it, so that they're training you to have an involuntary response anytime you hear those buzzwords. It's like what China does to Chinese exchange students that they send here to the United States. If Chinese exchange students here in the United States hear anything about Tiananmen Square, anything negative about the Chinese Communist Party, any insults against Xi Jinping, they don't listen. My, my friend is a high school teacher and she has Chinese, she's had Chinese exchange students in her class before. And when she's teaching world history, she's teaching about China, of course. And when she mentioned negative things about Tiananmen Square, the Chinese students actually put their heads down on their desk, refused to listen and started stomping their feet. Their bodies and minds have been trained to reject even listening, even hearing it, let alone saying it. That's what the left's trying to create here. They're also belittling actual anti-Semitism in the United States. It's, it's somewhat like the Jussie Smollett stuff or the Bubba Wallace stuff. It's a fake, it's a fake hate crime. When you, when you label something that's not anti-Semitic as being anti-Semitic, then you are desensitizing people to real claims of anti-Semitism. There is real anti-Semitism in our country. There's real anti-Semitism in our government. It's coming from Ilhan Omar primarily. And the left doesn't care about that. Nancy Pelosi wouldn't even remove Ilhan Omar from the Foreign Relations Committee or the Foreign Affairs Committee, even though Ilhan Omar is rabidly anti-Semitic. There's, there's attacks that happen to Orthodox Jews, to Hasidic Jews in New York cities constantly. The left doesn't care about that anti-Semitism. There's shootings, mass murders at synagogues aimed at Jewish people because they're Jewish. The left doesn't care about that anti-Semitism, but it, it belittles it, it minimizes, it makes people more likely to ignore allegations of real anti-Semitism if you overuse the word anti-Semitism to apply to things that clearly are not anti-Semitic. It's the boy who cried wolf. It's also, of course, control of speech. The left wants to train us like Pavlov's dog to say what they want us to say when they want us to say it. And they are currently in this process where they want to tell us that definitions of words change on a regular basis. Demi Lovato is the best example of this on Twitter. So anybody who doesn't know, Demi Lovato is a very famous singer. And last year, she came out as non-binary or gender fluid or something and said that her pronouns were they, them. And so following that announcement about a year ago, on Twitter, if you called Demi Lovato a she, you would get banned for misgendering. That, that's against Twitter's terms of service. Well, last week, Demi Lovato came out and said, actually, I'm returning to she, her pronouns. I'm no longer using they, them. And so we had this situation where last week, if you called Demi Lovato she or her on Twitter, you would be banned for misgendering. And this week, if you don't call Demi Lovato she or her on Twitter, you will be banned for misgendering. The left is in the process of making us of making us change our behavior, our actions, and our words based on just the snap of their fingers. And this is just another example of it. If you haven't already subscribed to my show, would you mind doing so? If you could go to Apple Podcasts and click subscribe, give us a five-star rating, and in the reviews, tell me which episode has been your favorite so far and what you liked about it. That would be great. Also, if you watch this on YouTube, if you could subscribe to my YouTube channel, it's Liz Wheeler Show on YouTube, and hit that bell so you're notified every time a new episode or a new clip drops. I would greatly appreciate it. It helps other people discover the show, which helps us get the word out to as many people as possible. Okay, now let's talk about Alex Jones for a second. A lot of conservatives seem not to want to talk about Alex Jones, and I totally understand this. I totally understand this. Here's what I will say. First about Alex Jones, he's a very entertaining person. I don't know if you guys have ever seen the interview that Steven Crowder did with Alex Jones, but it is like popcorn watching, just mind-boggling entertainment. I have watched it and I thought it was really, really, well, funny. That being said, Alex Jones is a total 
a total wackadoodle. He's not only he's not only kooky and weird. The things that he says are often wrong and distasteful. And I, you can separate the two things. You can think that someone like him can be entertaining because he is a showman, obviously. And also think that he crosses the line and says some things that are very bad things to say, very untrue things. So the context of that is that after the Sandy Hook shooting years ago, Alex Jones said some pretty awful things. He accused the parents of several of the children who were murdered at Sandy Hook of being crisis actors and claimed that Sandy Hook was a hoax, that it was staged, that it was something the government had done or pretended to do in order to push the United States towards gun control. Obviously, a conspiracy theory obviously falls pretty disgusting. And to say something like that, especially about specific individuals in the wake of them losing their children, especially in such in such a horrific way, every way to lose a child is horrific. This is a particularly horrific. So he was sued by these parents for defamation and a court just found or just found that he's liable for $4 million in compensatory damages and $45.2 million in punitive damages. This is just to two family members, $45 million. That's a whole heck of a lot of money. And so this is what I would say. This is what I will say about Alex Jones. And this is why I think it's very important for conservatives to understand Alex Jones was once the canary in the coal mine for the left. When big tech first started cracking down on conservatives and free speech, they first went after Alex Jones. Alex Jones was one of the first people to get permanently suspended from Twitter and permanently kicked off of Facebook because big tech knew that Nobody really wanted to defend what Alex Jones was saying because the things that he was saying were so either wacky, weird, or just downright wrong. And most people have a great and proper aversion to being associated with or being accused of being a conspiracy theorist. This is a good part of human nature. Now, the left, of course, has redefined conspiracy theorists. They've tried to accuse us of being conspiracy theorists when we aren't. And so the, the term has lost a little bit of its, of its punch because, you know, the boy who cried wolf, that again. But Alex Jones was the canary in the coal mine because conservatives didn't want to go to his defense because they didn't want to have the left point their finger at us and say, oh, you're defending Alex Jones. You too must believe that frogs are turning gay and that Sandy Hook was a hoax. No, 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 no. Defending someone's right to say offensive things is a bedrock of free speech. That's what free speech is. It doesn't mean that you are defending the... the words that that person is saying, you are defending the right of the person to say that. But it's very easy for the left to conflate the two. And that's why a lot of conservatives didn't want to come to his defense. Alex Jones, there were very, very few conservatives who identified, and rightly so, that Alex Jones was the canary in the coal mine for big tech censorship. And that once the left moved the Overton window past Alex Jones, it would slowly creep towards the center, slowly creep towards mainstream conservative thought. And that's where we are today, where it's actually past mainstream conservative thought. It's it's encroaching on science when it comes to COVID or transgenderism. It certainly has gone past election integrity. Alex Jones is the canary in the coal mine again, because $45 million in punitive damages is outrageous. This is the weaponization of cancel culture by the government. Cancel culture is bad enough when it's a cultural phenomenon. But when the government is taking part in this, this is absolutely outrageous. I understand that these parents are private citizens and the standard for defamation of private individuals, meaning not elected politicians and not public figures, is much lower. Or rather, the standard for defamation of public figures, politicians, celebrities, it's much higher. Even so, you can think that this speech that Alex Jones engaged in was defamation. That's fine. But $45 million? No, no. No, no. This is, this is what the left wants to do to everyone who disagrees with them. This is a message that the left is sending that if you engage in speech that we don't like, we will destroy you. Is this not cruel and unusual punishment? This is not, okay, you were convicted of defamation. Here's a fine, slap on the wrist, maybe a little punishment and go on your way. This is financial destruction for the rest of your life. This is you being erased 
from the industry where you have made your living. We're not even talking about a violent crime here. We're not talking about murder. We're not talking about assault. We're not talking about rape. We're not talking about robbery. These were words. And the government is destroying Alex Jones financially completely because of words he spoke. Even if it is defamation, does it justify utter destruction? The purpose of this is to move, it's, is to move the Overton window. The purpose of this is to use Alex Jones like the canary in the coal mine. Will conservatives actually speak up? Will people defend Alex Jones, even if they think the things that he said were abhorrent? Will they defend him or will they let the government ruin him because of his political views? Watch your favorite conservative commentators. Watch the elected officials that you have sent to Washington, D.C. Listen for whether they're defending Alex Jones. I understand that, it's, that it can be tricky. I understand that the left very easily conflates defending the right to free speech, your right to say the words, and the words themselves. I don't care. If, you, if, if, you, if conservatives don't speak out against this, it will happen again. There was, there was a Democrat. This is a Democrat, a young Democrat commentator by the name of Dash Dabrowski. This is what he says. Not a single Republican has condemned Alex Jones for calling Sandy Hook a hoax. Obviously false. Every single conservative I know has condemned Alex Jones for doing that if they've talked about Alex Jones at all. He goes, this means every Republican believes Sandy Hook was a hoax. I, I didn't, I said he was a Democrat commentator. I didn't say he was a serious person. Obviously he's an unserious person. He goes, in fact, they got hashtag Alex Jones was right to start trending and are spreading more disinformation. They should all be sued for defamation, end quote. And there we are. They should all be sued for defamation. This is what the left wants to do with us all. So here's the other important part of this story. Why exactly are so many people drawn to conspiracy theories? Why are so many people drawn to conspiracy theorists like Alex Jones? He's an entertaining person, but there are a lot of entertaining people. What is it about about what he says that, that draws in so many people, that is interesting to so many people. And the answer to that is because the mainstream media lies. Democrats are corrupt. They actively try to stifle anything, anybody or any organization who tries to expose wrongdoing. The New York Times literally won a Pulitzer Prize for the Russia collusion hoax, for lying about Trump and Russia. Is that not defamation, by the way? Uh-huh, yeah. The mainstream media and the left have taken us to the point where everything that they say, people doubt. People don't believe the media. They don't believe their politicians. And when, when a conspiracy theory is centered around one tiny element of truth, whether it's people feeling left behind and ignored by their political representation, whether it's corruption and wrongdoing at the hands of the government. When they hear one element of truth that no one else is speaking about, it causes them to feel that something about what they're hearing is right. And so they become vulnerable to conspiracy theories. If the mainstream media didn't constantly lie, if Democrats weren't so clinically corrupt that everything they do is hurting you while they're telling you to your face that they're helping you, then people wouldn't be so tempted to latch onto conspiracies and conspiracy theorists. They wouldn't doubt everything that they hear. But right now, they should doubt everything they hear. They do have to go and un see if they can find, if they can discover, if they can uncover the truth. And when there's somebody who, who speaks to them, even 1% of the truth, well, who can blame people for feeling a connection to that? Because it's lacking in every single other part, every single other part of our society right now. Okay, Brittany Griner. I want to talk about Brittany Griner. I actually... <laughs> I don't want to sound harsh to this woman because I don't want anybody to be rotting in a Russian pr prison. Brittany Griner is a WNBA star who right now has just been, she's in Russia. She's just been convicted of possession of marijuana in Russia. It's against Russian law. She was sentenced to nine years in prison. 
And this is going to sound so harsh. So I'm very interested in your thoughts on this too. I don't have a ton of sympathy for this woman. I'm going to pair that sentence by saying, I also don't want anyone to rot in a Russian prison, but I don't have a ton of sympathy for this woman because she broke a law that she knew was a law. And it's not like a Russian court is sentencing her in a way that Russian citizens wouldn't face if they committed the same crime. So I don't exactly understand the outrage about what's happening to her, except for the fact that Russia is our adversary. They're a hostile foreign nation. And obviously, Brittany Griner is, in a cert- to a certain extent, being used as a political pawn because the U.S. is sending weapons to and money to Ukraine, who is fighting against the Russian invasion. So obviously, the Russians are angry at the United States, which just brings me back to the beginning. It's not even a good time for American citizens to go to Russia. It's a very poor and unwise decision to go to Russia right now. So that's mistake number one. Mistake number two is, you know it's against the law to bring marijuana to Russia, and yet you brought your cannabis oil there, what, thinking that you would get away with it or that you wouldn't be punished for it at a time, even though Russia is very, very strict about enforcing their drug laws, not just against foreigners, American citizens, but against their own people. Kamala Harris sent out this tweet about Brittany Griner. She said, with today's sentencing, Russia continues its wrongful detention of Brittany Griner. She should be released immediately. POTUS and I and our entire administration are working every day to reunite Brittany as well as Paul Whelan with loved ones who miss each of them dearly. Okay, so first of all, Kamala Harris locked people up here in the United States for the exact same thing, for smoking marijuana. Kamala Harris put them in jail for about the same amount of time that that Brittany Griner is facing in Russia right now. Kamala, by the way, also admitted that she smoked it herself. So Kamala Harris did something, maybe even worse, because I, I believe it was cannabis oil that Brittany Griner had. It wasn't like, a, she wasn't like blazing up a joint. Kamala Harris locked people up for doing that and she smoked it herself and now she's acting like this is some egregious human rights abuse. If there's some human rights abuse that Brittany Griner is facing right now, I will be the first one to stand next to her and to not only condemn that, but call for the full force of the United States government to free her from whatever, if she's being deprived of some basic human right, if she's undergoing torture, whatever it may be. If there is some human rights abuse, then obviously the U.S. government needs to get involved here. But didn't she know this was against the law? Of course she did. So what does she want? Does she want special treatment? And if so, why? Is it because she's a professional athlete? Is it because she is a celebrity? Is it because she thinks that she is a protective class because she's LGBTQ? Why would she get special treatment? There's a little bit of irony here because Brittany Griner obviously wants the American government, the Biden administration to intercede for her in some way. At the same time, she's herself is so anti-American that she refused to even stand for the national anthem. This is what Brittany Griner said in July of 2020, quote, I'm not going to be out there for the national anthem. If the league continues to want to play it, that's fine. It will be all season long. I'll not be out there. Okay, girl. So you hate America, but you need America. Now, this is not, this does not mean that the American government shouldn't help her if she is suffering human rights abuse. The American government should. It doesn't matter what your political beliefs are, even if you're critical of the U.S. government. If you're an American citizen, okay. But you'd think perhaps this would cause Brittany Griner to reevaluate her anti-American attitude when she gets home if she wants to rely on the American government to save her. Just a little irony here from the left. She's also, she's putting America at risk, Brittany Griner is, because what the Biden administration is doing right now is they're proposing trading prisoners with Russia, trading a female basketball star for a convicted terrorist, an arms dealer who has put American citizens in harm's way, if not outright, if he's not outright responsible for their murder. Victor Bout is the name of this guy that Biden is proposing be traded for Brittany Griner. And I, I cannot even believe the Biden administration would do this. I cannot believe. I, like I said, I, I, has, I don't understand fully the outrage over what's happening to Brittany Griner. And even some people on the right, mostly on the left here, but what's your argument? Why should, she, why should she just be let go? Why should the United States give something that 
Russia wants like a terrorist. Why should we give Russia a terrorist in exchange for this woman? What's your argument that these laws in general that prohibit marijuana are unjust or that she's not being treated equally or fairly under the law? Because we here in the United States have laws against marijuana too. It's prohibited in federal law. So what's your argument that you don't like these laws and because you don't like these laws somewhere outside of the United States, you think the United States government should give away a deadly terrorist, a murderous terrorist in exchange for this woman? I would never do that if I were president. Never. Never. Like I said, my caveat is if she's suffering some kind of human rights abuse, if she's, on, if she's being tortured in some way, fine. That changes the whole ballgame. But this is, this is totally different than if a journalist goes somewhere and is, is thrown in prison without due process because of something critical they printed against the government. If there's some fundamental, unalienable human right that has been violated by a government, that's different. If you were deprived of due process, that's different. If it is political targeting by the foreign government, that's different. Is If it is a form of hostage taking, that's different. I don't see that this case is any of those things. To me, this seems like an entitled brat who knowingly violated a law in a hostile foreign country where she should have known better, where they very strictly enforced these laws. She was given a trial and sentenced in a way that is pretty equitable to what a Russian citizen would have suffered had they committed the same offense. And because she doesn't think Russia should have that law, she's okay with a terrorist being, with Biden giving a terrorist back to the Russians, really? I, I actually wish someone could ask her that. Are you okay with a terrorist being free to possibly harm someone else if that gets you out of jail? I would love, love to hear her answer to that. Love to hear her answer to that. If I'm wrong on this, let me know, guys. Write to me. Let me know on Locals. Let me know on Instagram. Let me know on Twitter. I want to hear everybody's thoughts on this, but I do. <laughs> like I said, I don't want to see anybody rot in a Russian prison, but I'm, I'm hard-pressed to feel a ton of sympathy for this person, for this woman. Okay, over on Locals, we're going to talk about this really shocking statistic. 40% of Black students who are over the age of 12 in Washington, D.C. are facing expulsion from school. Four out of 10 students facing expulsion. Um, find out why by joining me at lizwheelershow.com slash locals. The reason is beyond infuriating. lizwheelershow.com slash locals. If you use my promo code access, then you can watch for free for a month. lizwheelershow.com slash locals, promo code access. Thank you for watching today. Thank you for listening. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show. 